Well, hello and welcome to episode number 291 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and joining me in this uh, wonderful P2K studio on a Friday night is my co-host Matt Smith. Uh, a very good evening everyone. We've all survived another week. Didn't we yes. all do well? Yes. Are you feeling better this week, Matt? Because yeah, last week you had the man of flu or something well, I don't, you, well, it's been one of those that's been rumbling I, you know I don't want to go on about it obviously blah, but, blah, blah, uh, blah. you know it's, it's it's one of those things that's been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks and uh, mm. felt like it was never going to come to an end but uh, finally I'm pleased to say that uh, we're, we're only mildly coughing and coughing, things like yeah. that so yeah yeah, yeah good luck he's everyone. only covered half the audio desk in um, sort of stuff I'll have you how very dare you that's, there's no way in a million years that I would do something like that but uh, uh, let's be honest Matt you have had uh, yet again this week Matt's Treats we should have the segment on the show called Matt's, Matt's Treats, treats yeah. so what, what was this week's treat from uh, Uncle Carlos oh I don't know some some cake mocktail yeah, mocktail yeah absolutely <laughs> mocktail muffins yeah there we go mocktail ca- oh it's oh, all gone, gone all blurry that's all the excitement oh, look at those look oh, yeah look yes. at that yeah I'm, I'm already halfway through they've only been in the studio for they haven't minutes. lasted long no indeed oh and he's oh, just dropped oh, no. one. He's I just, just thrown one all over the laptop. Oh no, the laptop has just taken taken a turn oh, for the worse. Yeah, this is terrible news. That'll need an update now, man. That will, yeah, absolutely. And uh, joining us uh, live from oh, his man <laughs> from his oh. from his palatial studio, live in the countryside in Buckinghamshire. It is, of course, the legend that is Neville Bounds. Yes, hello. <laughs> you right, then? Uh, Sorry to disturb week. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just uh, communicating in the chat room, as, as you do. Indeed, yes. Someone's got Well, that's uh, true, yeah. yes. Here we are. And uh, a very hectic week at work. I was in uh, Brussels on Tuesday, ju- just sorting out Brexit. For oh, well done. So I've teed it all up for mm. Boris just to sign the little bit of papers. So that was that was great. Um, and then next week, off to Dublin and Belfast. So as you do. Lots of flying at the moment. Very cool. And what are your chosen chariots? Do you know what they are yet? Oh, uh, well, I would imagine it'll be an A319 or A320 okay. uh, of the BA fleet uh, for both flights next week. Very yeah. nice. Uh, very nice. Very, very nice. nice. So hopefully, joining us, fingers crossed this oh, week. Fingers crossed, everyone. Here we go. <laughs> from, across, uh, from across the pond is, of course, the absolute awesome chap that is Armando. Hey everybody, hopefully everything's working swimmingly as it was surely five minutes before the show started. Yeah, all right. That's nice that you, you've, uh, <laughs> you've, you've, you've dressed appropriately this week, Armando, I will say. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I had the shirt handy. Why not, uh, why not wear it every once in a while? <laughs> <laughs> so how's things with you, Armando? You take it you've had uh, your usual uh, busy week uh, in the skies above uh, above north carolina yeah i tell you what it's uh as you guys say it's been a funny old week um <laughs> we on the bad side of things we lost our puppy moxie who was uh getting up there in age and you know she was already sick but uh we this is a crazy story kind of a heartwarming story but we had made an appointment to take her to the vet and to get her put down at the vet's advice and uh, we took her for an extra long car ride and she passed at the doorstep to the veterinarian. No. It was the craziest thing. Yeah. Wow. She did. She never made it in. She, she, you know? she knew it was time. 
Oh. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously we're sad, but at the yeah. same time, we're relieved that she went peacefully and, um, you know, we didn't have to put her on a cold table or something mm. like that. So uh, that was, so that, you know, that was tough for the family. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, other than that, I think you guys saw the video. Probably the coolest thing I did this week was uh, I got a chance to fly a Sakata TB30. Uh, which is a, uh, it's a, basically a French Air Force primary trainer. There's not that many of them here in the U.S. And uh, one of my friends and uh, connections through Reno was just stopping in through North Carolina. So he said, hey, you know, I'll swing by uh, if you want to go for a ride. And I said, yeah, of course. So we got up there and did some basic aerobatics in this wonderful airplane. It's basically a French T-34, if, if anybody's wondering what, uh, what a Sakata TB-30 is. And uh, by all accounts, it does everything better than a T-34. So what a great flight. Um, took a little bit of video. And Olivier is going to be one of our interviews that we do a little bit later, kind of the last one actually from Reno, at least for this year. And uh, really good guy, and I appreciate him stopping by and letting me take the controls to tumble us out of the sky. <laughs> is that kind of a, a, a light sports um, aircraft Armando I th- I'm guessing it's fairly fairly swift in the air yeah so it's a, it is a military trainer so it is uh, fully approved for aerobatics I think it's a plus six G's maybe it's even nine G's uh, and then minus three or four G's um, so it is a very capable airplane what's interesting is it's certified everywhere else in the world uh, but in some, somehow in the process of bringing it to the United States, nobody ever applied for a reciprocal certification from the FAA. So ah. here in the U.S., <laughs> is it's considered experimental. Ah, so oh, it's really? an experimental exhibition airplane, yeah. Uh, very, very capable. I mean, but it's uh, if, if you manage to, to land one, it's the ownership cost of an experimental, which is – you know, generally about a third of that of a certified airplane, but you have all the safety and and uh, engineering of a certified airplane, and, and in fact, an over-engineered airplane since it is a former military trainer. So uh, there's not that many of them in the U.S. If you if you want one, uh, you get you got to get your hands on the one of the ten, but uh, there's probably a better chance of getting one over there in Europe. So of all the aircraft you've flown, Armando, of that kind of size, where does this kind of rank in the um, you know the cool uh you know spectrum oh boy you know i i would put it right under a right under a t6 um the new t6 texan Mm. yeah it it was an rv8 is probably the closest thing that we have here in the u.s Uh, maybe a a marchetti uh, but marchettis are, are side by side seating so as far as tandem seats sporty aerobatic and, and an RV8 isn't really aerobatic. Um, the only thing in its class here in the U S is a T34. And, uh, I, you know, I, I would put it up there as far as maneuverable airplanes, not, not as much as an extra or a game bird or something like that, but, uh, uh, very, very cool. You definitely feel like a military pilot. 
Well, we'll put that on the uh, list for Christmas for this year for you, Armando, and <laughs> right, uh, yeah. we'll see how we go. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. Uh, Nev, I've, I, 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 I just realised actually while I was um, looking through the uh, the WhatsApp messages that uh, they were just received, you sent a, you've got a very interesting picture that, that you'd sent in from us, I see, trying to, uh, there's nothing sensitive on there, is there, before I flash it up on the screen? No. No, okay, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think the exact words were trying to maintain one's status, wasn't it? There we go, look. He's he's uh, making sure he's in seat one. Well, obviously, obviously, that that's where we need to be, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> quite right. So, yeah, at least I could <laughs> get there this time. Seat one A. Well, I, I yeah. put up with uh, two A last week. Which, oh, oh, did you? Oh dear, were you, were you slumming it a tad? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, there's obviously some gold card holder oh, that was in front yeah. of me. So right. Yeah, yeah. you you've got to watch it's, them. Uh, They're nothing but trouble. It didn't look like a gold card holder when I was looking at it. I thought, no, how can <laughs> this person possibly have yeah. high status? I, sp- I anyway, suppose one could argue, but what does a gold card member actually look like? I mean, that that is that is the thing. You could look. Like uh, well, like. I was very surprised when I saw it last week. That's for sure. <laughs> but, um, oh dear. Well, there we are. Uh, so, uh, welcome, worms. <laughs> welcome, everyone, who has joined us on this Friday night, the 18th of October. Time is just coming up to 10 past 7 in the evening here in the UK. Big welcome to everyone in the YouTube chat room this evening. Lane Street, Chris Griggs, uh, Auntie Liz is in there as well. Tanya W, uh, we've got Tony S. Uh, Mash is in the chat room. Hello to you as well. We have gone scrolling down. Graham Haley, hello to you, Graham. Hope you're well. Uh, we've got Neil Lamborn. Hello to you, Neil. Um, where are we? Andy Williamson, uh, who is in Dubai watching the show. As you do. So uh, he says, uh, one of his messages, he says, at last, caught the program live. Ooh, Good on you, well Andy. Done you. Well Absolutely. done. Well yeah, done, yeah. Andy. Uh, Jonathan Warner's in there as well. He's oh, uh, probably, no. probably uh, going through the 10.5 million photos he's took over the last... 24 hours of aircraft. And before he starts, the, the, it's already muted, so there's no point trying to ping me. All yes. Time. <laughs> You're out of luck. Uh, Philip Davis on. as well. Yeah. Jan Hubner <clears throat> as well. Hello to you, Jan. Hope you are well. So thanks for everyone uh, who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. So tonight's show, we've got all the usual news coming up. We've also got a little segment as well. Uh, to play it that's been sent to us by Chris Griggs. Yes, yeah, so we have a Nev's passenger experience. Yeah, yeah so we've got that to play out uh, midway through the show. We've also got uh, the usual awesome stories from Armando for this week's military segment. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, well, if everyone's ready. Uh, yes, I'm ready. Uh, we are going to start the show then, as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So, if you're ready, Nev. Yes, I am. Slightly delay there. <laughs> satellite if, delay. Satellite, here satellite delay. Chain, I yes. And if you're ready, Armando. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know what's Matt, going on. press Every, the button. It's all quick. horribly wrong. So, kicking off this week's first news story on the bbc.co.uk website. And for those of you in the UK who uh, may be used to seeing the Dash 8 Q400s of uh, Flybee flying around the sky with that lovely, gorgeous purple livery, um, we'll be seeing a change soon because the headline Flybee Airline announces name change to Virgin Connect. The airline Flybee is changing its name to Virgin Connect following its £2.8 million sale. The name change will be accompanied by a new livery 
and the purple aircraft will be repainted in red. The Exeter-based regional airline was sold in February to a consortium of operators called Connect Airways, uh, which was led by Richard Branson's Virgin Atlantic. The company said flights would continue to operate as normal. Uh, passengers are advised to continue to book flights, uh, check-in and manage bookings via Flybe. Connect Airways Chief Executive Mark Anderson said the company would be focused on becoming Europe's most loved and successful regional airline. That's a bold statement. So Flybe started in 1979 and operates 9 out of 10 flights uh, from Southampton Airport. Uh, It has 76 aircraft operating from smaller airports such as London City, Southampton, Aberdeen and Newquay. It flies uh, about 8 million passengers a year between 71 airports across the UK and Europe. So we've seen this coming. This has been on the cards for a little while now. But uh, I must admit it will be weird not to see... uh, you know that purple because it does stand out rather well yeah, when you does. see these in the yeah, sky absolutely but then if that's what it takes to save jobs and and not yeah, have another yeah, that's, have that's a, good uh, another um airline go go bust essentially then surely that's got to be good news isn't it yeah so 1979 this flyby started so it'd be, yeah. it'd be a shame to see the name go but obviously like we said the the, the uh people keeping their jobs yeah, and absolutely. uh yeah it's strange to think of virgin having a a kind of regional arm now isn't it? wouldn't you say yeah, that I mean I, I, part of me isn't surprised really I, I, I mean I, it's, well, don't well, forget, they've got some slots at um, Heathrow as well so they operate uh, I think in Edinburgh and Aberdeen or Inverness service out of uh, Heathrow as well um, my only uh, question is of course most of my uh, travelling chums because of um, Flybee's rather um, what's the word? Uh, unpredictable timetable. Oh, uh, they used to call it fly maybe, which fly was a maybe, bit right? Harsh, yes. yeah. I, I wonder what they're going to call it now. Uh, right. So yes. We'll, we'll have to see, won't we? But then, uh, it, uh, where where I was going with my my earlier comment is in the states, and I'm sure Armando will back me up uh, with this. Um, oh right. Oh, Tony S is saying apparently Virgin's regional past experiences didn't end well. Um, no, no, but but it's not uncommon for uh, in the states, is it, Armando? To, for for most of these, most of our, you know, the big carriers like American Airlines, Delta, and all that kind of thing. I mean, most of them have their foot in the the regional door as well, don't they? Yeah, very much so. I think most, uh, you know, without putting a number, I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, three quarters of of uh, regional airlines here in the U.S. are branded as a code share or a regional feeder to a larger airline such as American Delta United. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think most of the time, if you're not on some kind of Airbus product, I guess the A220 aside, um, or Boeing product, you're most likely flying a regional airline and mm-hmm. you don't know it, uh, except for uh, American Airlines, which actually owns AMR, or, or AMR owns uh, American Eagle, mm-hmm. Um, which is part of American Airlines, um, and, I, and there's probably other ones too. But yeah, there's, that's very much a thing here in the U.S. to have a, a regional airline branded as yeah. something else yeah. that, that feeds. So now, Nev, going back, going back to you, saying, uh, have you had many uh, fly maybe experiences? Do you know? I don't think I've ever been on a fly B uh, aircraft. Uh, I've been on plenty of um, uh, Q400s of other. Uh, um, carriers airlines but uh, no i've yeah. I've never actually uh, been on a flyby 
um, at all. Uh, lots of my uh, work colleagues have, um, and they're not usually that complimentary. So let's right. see how <laughs> things pan out yeah. uh, now that they are perhaps things uh, will be running under the Virgin brand. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I mean, I mean that is the one thing, of course, perhaps with with Virgin that, that might help is the fact that they will bring a bit of uh, quality, um, you know, perhaps to to the brand and maybe sharpen things up a bit, as you say. Might well happen, but yeah. uh, so I hope so because you know I didn't realise that they had so many aircraft actually either. It was, yeah, uh, they've got yeah seventy six aircraft, which is gosh, that's, that, 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 that it's more than a handful certainly. So the next story then, Matt, for mm. you is um, on one of the best tabloid uh, papers in the UK. Yes, which is where everybody goes obviously for their aviation related content. Of course, this is on thesun.co.uk, and the headline is Rye Unfair. <laughs> Ryanair slammed for letting passengers board flight without their passports checked while others were left behind. So Ryanair passengers oh were forced to miss their flight after the airline announced the gate number was uh, the, the gate number just 25 minutes before departure, despite an hour-long wait at border control. Many passengers were unable to make it to the flight on time, while others went through without having their passport checked uh, again at the gate. Uh, Ryanair passenger Hunter DeBose, who was on flight FR1. 883 from Lisbon to London Stansted explained the late announcement caused chaos at the airport as travellers rushed to get through the additional checkpoint. However, many were not a, were not made aware of the additional passport security checks. He wrote passenger safety and aircraft security compromised due to Ryanair incompetence. A departure gate announced only 25 minutes before the gate closed uh, and on the other side of a passport check, checkpoint that was easily an hour long. There was no warning before the gate was announced um, that it would that they would have to pass through that particular passport checkpoint. Uh, he, he continued, I had to band together with 20 other passengers from the same flight to skip to the front of the queue. Upon arrival at the departure gate, there was a stampede of passengers all panicking about potentially missing the flight. Your gate agents lost control of the situation and were also panicking. He also no he also noticed a passenger get past the gate without being checked by Ryan Ryanair staff at all. Um, Hunter said, "I witnessed at least one individual slip past the gate without showing a passport or boarding pass." The gate agent noticed this and briefly attempted to stop the individual, but then turned their attention back to the gate without the individual producing a passport or boarding pass because other passengers were surging forward without showing their passports or boarding passes. He added uh, to Sun Online Travel that passengers were in a state of panic as well as the Ryanair gate agents. Hunter said they certainly couldn't be bothered to explain why they'd announced the gate so late um, that there wasn't enough time to get there before it closed without taking extraordinary measures like skipping to the front of the passport control queue. I assume that they announced it so late because our plane was late arriving in Lisbon uh, but this really this is really something that Ryanair should answer. Whilst Hunter was one of the passengers to make his flight others weren't so lucky. A passenger who wished to remain anonymous told Sun Online Travel that he missed his flight only to be forced to pay for a new flight and overnight accommodation. He explained airport immigration was understaffed with only two people working and Ryanair announced the flight okay, 25 minutes before. Anyway, we're going over the same ground here, but you get the 
the point now I, I know this is this is a bit of a bugbear with many people certainly who fly from the US here into the UK and then obviously fly home but we do have a bit of a weird thing where we don't announce the gate until like 45 well most but that's of the time not Ryanair's fault though no no I, I know mm. but it's normally like 45 minutes before mm. uh, you're supposed to go now obviously in the States actually you more or less know the gate from the time that you book is that correct uh yeah, oh, I don't know about from the time you book, but you certainly know it way ahead of time. Check in, aside yeah. from from changes, and I, you know, I, I I guess I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just a, that generally the airports are quite bigger here. Even a regional airport is mm. is bigger here. Um, that did take some getting used to as as an American living over there in Europe, mm. where everybody just waits in a lounge, uh, and then it's just a mad rush. <laughs> You know, everybody, it's, you know, the, the, when it says uh, gate will be announced at 2.21 p.m. Yeah. And, and everybody crowds around the monitor and then there's just this mad rush to mm -hmm. get there and it's first come first. So that's not generally a thing here. Right. Um, now, I mean, obviously, it does Nev, take some getting used to. Nev, you do a lot of flying, obviously, around the world. I mean, is it is it only a British thing, or have you sort of stumbled across this sort of issue with with uh, mm, other European airports? Bit of a European thing, I would say. Yeah. Um, it, it, we we have to be first to the gate for some reason, even though the flight's not boarding <laughs> for thirty five minutes yeah. or something. Like well, you've that. already been assigned um, a seat. Yeah. Yes. So, mm. you know, let's be honest, the aircraft is not going to go without you, especially if you've got uh, bags checked in. So, you know, yeah. just relax. I mean, I've got, I'm, I have to say, I'm not one of those people. I, I do like to get to the gate yeah, um, as soon as just before they yeah. start the start boarding. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but there's always delays and this kind of thing as well. So you end up clogging up the um, the thoroughfare as we all did in Brussels on Tuesday coming back. Um, so 140 odd people are trying to get on the plane, but um, of course there's a bit of a hold up and it's just mm. <laughs> clogged up the whole of the um, the gate area so people can't get past. Uh, I mean, do, do you? Uh, this, this is me being a bit cynical here. Do you think one of the reasons why they try and hold you in, say, the departure area, you know, the seating area, is because basically that's where all the duty free is and all the shops are and all that kind of thing? Do you think <laughs> yeah. there's a small part yeah. of that? As I say, 45 minutes is probably. Uh, you know the right amount of time for anybody to get to a gate and i mean i you know and it's just sort of trying to keep you near the shops essentially for as long as possible so that people can make more money there, there might be a bit of that but actually to be honest with you obviously on inter-european flights all the all the duty-free thing doesn't exist anymore mm. uh, but also i don't know if you've noticed that there's a lot more uh, and brussels airport was a good example of this on uh, tuesday uh, as you come through security and actually yeah thinking about it Heathrow is like this as well you go straight through all of the shopping areas and, and you wind your way left and right uh, through the uh, duty-free areas as well so you you are forced to go through those parts of it and there's very few people that just go straight through it there's always people that are stopping so there's plenty of opportunity to you know, to buy things there but uh, although i would question unless you're you know going intercontinental as it were mm. um you know the the, the prices uh, aren't fantastically good value, really. Uh, they're a little no. bit cheaper than you might get in the in your local high street. But um, no, yeah. not not I mean, like they used to be. I mean, the days of the, the package holiday duty free thing are, yeah. are long gone, aren't they? Mm, they Definitely. are absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do do feel free, by the way. Sorry, I haven't mentioned this already in, in, at the top of the show. Uh, don't forget if you want to get in touch with the show via WhatsApp while we're live. Uh, it is plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. We've got 
got a couple of messages coming in. Uh, I just noticed, so we do we need to uh, just publicise that a bit. Just quickly, hello to Myla, who's joined us in the chat room. She just said uh, today a lady cut the queue and nearly threw a tantrum because she wanted to get there first. Oh, it was embarrassing. Oh, right, okay. there's always one. Like was she that. British well, by any chance? Because yeah. it's usually our fault. <laughs> anyway, so next story yeah. is. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh sorry, I'm, I'm on. Sorry, yeah, real quick. One, one, another point for comparison is is the apps. Uh, here in the U.S., most of the airlines have an an app that stays pretty updated, mm. and the whole idea of crowding around the monitor is slowly going away. In that, by the time I land in Dallas for my connection, as soon as my cell phone gets service again, I get a notification from Airline X. And it says your gate has changed to H13 or, or whatever. And I can almost immediately just go right to my gate without having to worry about anything, even on my drive in. So I have a, about a 30 minute drive into uh, Charlotte in Douglas International Airport. And sometimes on the drive, I'll get a, a notification on my phone saying, hey, your, your gate has changed to B12. And now I already know well, the closest security checkpoint, the closest place that I can park and get in there, not make any eye contact with anyone except for the sole uh, security agent looking at my ID and then go straight to my, my gate with no issues whatsoever. Um, and, and somebody mentioned, you know, Jan Hubner in the, in the chat room mentioned that Germany, they announced it two hours ahead of time. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think there's, it, it depends on the airport, depends on the carriers. Yeah. I, I know like here in Southwest Airlines, you got to get in, in your, you know, little airspace there in the queue yeah. so you can get some overhead bin space. But uh, yeah, I, I got to admit, I'm going to give this one to the, to the U.S. I, I prefer the U.S. <laughs> way of doing this. Yeah, no, that's all right. That's fair enough. I get that. Uh, while, while, I, while we were just mentioning the old WhatsApp there, actually a message from uh, Andy Williamson. And what I can only describe as probably, uh, you'll appreciate this, uh, Armando. This is a very, very cool picture. Uh, and this is, so this was a few years ago, apparently, Red Bull at Abu Dhabi just slicing the inflatable, as you do. Oh, um, yeah. Now, what's, <laughs> what's, what sort of um, uh, craft is this? Is anybody able to identify it? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, it's not an extra. Um, I think the the Red Bull Air Races had some really unique um, airplanes. They're, they were called, a, mm. it's like an Edge or something like that. Okay. There, there's two or three airframes that they use. If you, if you give me about five minutes, I'll find it. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I think Andy Andy Winston's actually watching, so uh, with a bit of luck, perhaps he'll see this and then he'll uh, he'll let us know. But, uh, yeah, that's quite – uh, that looks expensive as it slices through the inflatable. But uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're quarter-million-dollar airplanes at least. Gosh, yeah, there's a lot of room for things to go wrong there. Uh, so we'll move on to the next story, if we may. And, uh, Nev, I believe this is with you. It is, yes. It's on the time.com website and it's, uh, the headline says human guinea pigs prepare for world's first 20-hour commercial flight. Oh, no. um, for decades, <laughs> travellers have stoically endured jet lag as an unavoidable menace on long journeys. Now, as airlines push for record-breaking non-stop flights halfway around the planet, efforts to counter the debilitating symptoms are turning into a billion-dollar industry. 
Uh, fresh insight into the physical and emotional toll of ultra-long-haul travel should emerge this coming weekend when Qantas flies directly from New York to Sydney. No airline has ever completed that route without stopping. At nearly 20 hours, it's set to be the world's longest flight, leaving the US on Friday and landing in Australia during its Sunday morning. Uh, this will be more than an endurance exercise as scientists and medical researchers in the cabin will turn Qantas's brand new Boeing Dreamliner into a high altitude laboratory. Why they have shown a picture of a 747 and an A380 uh, as part of the headline, uh, we'll never know. Uh, but uh, it says that they'll scenes of the pilots for alertness whilst monitoring the food, sleep and activity of the few dozen passengers. Uh, the aim is to see how humans hold up to the ordeal. The proliferation of super long flights, uh, Singapore Airlines resumed non-stop services to New York last year. It's partly driven by the development of lighter, more aerodynamic dynamic aircraft that can fly further. The fiscal burden on customers <clears throat> is putting a renewed focus on jet lag and creating a supermarket of products and homemade creations to ease the suffering. In the, in the shopping basket are melatonin tablets, uh, Pfizer's uh, anti-anxiety medication Xanax, uh, and Propeak, uh, light-emitting glasses that claim to get the body back on track. And there's, yes, there's an app for that and Wee. many other potential remedies. <laughs> uh, the potential customer base, though, is staggering. Uh, IATA expects some 4.6 billion people to take a flight in 2019, a total that will jump to 8.2 billion in 2037. Uh, demand for jet lag therapies is growing at about 6% per year, and the industry will be birthed 732 million dollars in 2023 according to bis healthcare uh, the broader sleeping disorder market which is dominated by pills is worth 1.5 billion dollars and will swell to 1.7 by 2023 global data says adding that more than 80 drugs targeting disturbed sleep are in clinical uh, development um, so just a few facts and figures. Um, the New York to Sydney route is 16,200 kilometers, which is uh, just over 10,000 miles uh, in 19 and a half hours. There's going to be 50 people on that flight, including the crew. Uh, no cargo, but just limited uh, catering. Um, it's a private flight, which is classed, if it's classed as, and it's on uh, the, the uh, flight number is QF7879. Um, and actually Qantas has been right, uh, is, this um, hypothetical flight plan for weeks now just to see how it's going to uh, work out so um, there's that flight coming up and then of course uh, Alan Joyce of Qantas has challenged both Airbus and Boeing oh. to come up with a non-stop Melbourne or Sydney to London service as well and that's going to be is it 22 or 23 hours so uh, uh, that'll be worth looking out for as well. But um, what do you, I mean, I know Carlos is, you know, can't wait for this you know, <laughs> sort of thing, you know, the longer the better <laughs> as far as the flight time is concerned. But you know me too, to be well, honest mate. with you, even the 13 and a half hours to, to Singapore for me was, that was enough. I, I yeah. wouldn't want to go on any more than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose... Uh, Matt, so, total nightmare for you. <laughs> Armando? Uh, well, no, no. In my defence, all I was going to say was um, I can see how this would have... So if you're in business and you need to get from one part to another, the very fact that you haven't got to have, say, even three hours 
in a uh, you know in a la- well not yeah, a layover yeah. as say but say you in know so say, if, say if you were trying to get to New Zealand for example and you might end up with having to start have a stop in Hong Kong or or Kuala Lumpur or wherever it is and then and then onwards um, the ability to be able to do it in one hit I guess as a businessman whilst still being I mean you will be knackered there's no two ways yeah about but let's be it. fair if you're a businessman you probably won't be sitting in the uh, economy section of the aircraft you'll be in well, I guess. Biz, I guess. I mean, I, I guess there, there is that. I mean, Armando, what are your feelings on this? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you guys. I think it makes a huge difference if you're in business or in economy. Yeah. Uh, business, sure. Twenty hours, bring it. Yeah. Economy, hmm, ten is good for me. <laughs> ten is enough. Yeah, absolutely. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before we uh, before we yeah, move on to Armando's next story, yeah. this um, story actually um, w- w- happened actually very very uh, recently to Dawa today. Mm. Uh, this one's on simple flying. I'll just quickly cover this before we move on. This is um, actually an Asiana Airbus A380, which has um, had quite a serious engine fire in uh, Seoul Incheon Airport while. Uh, worryingly whilst refueling uh, those of you watching on uh, YouTube will be able to see the video that Matt's playing on there at the moment uh, which shows um, well you can probably see the air, the uh, engine itself number one engine um, it's, it's spitting bits out slight it? issues yeah. there and also some bit I think whether it's I think it's spewing bits out on fire on the floor I'll tell you what because it's, it's looping here this this video the gentleman in the back here it, it, what is that is it like a flamethrower or something what's <laughs> Well, it looks like he's got a. Fl- yeah, Are we that- sure it's not a flamethrower or something, or is he just trying to put the fire out? I is think it? he's trying to put it. Out. I think. Yeah. 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 But the, the yeah, gu- that little hose isn't going to do very much. No, I was going to say you got no. the you've got the guy here who runs in the back. You're bearing in mind it's spitting bits of debris out. Well, I mean that's one very either brave or stupid man, isn't it? Getting so close to the back of that engine there. I mean, difficult to guess. I mean, any 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 clue as to what what might be occurring here? A slight engine fire. Like, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, this engine certainly have certainly having an issue. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh well. Anyway, there this we go. is um, actually this is isn't even made it to the Aviation Herald yet. So this yeah, is so a fairly um, uh, fairly fresh story. Hot off the this presses, one, as it were. Yeah, um, so but this it's one is it's actually got the Rolls Royce Trent nine seventy engines on this one. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, perhaps we'll find out more about that um, mm. uh, next week. But moving on to there's uh, a bit more. Uh, just just before oh, we do that, there's a, a little bit more uh, breaking breaking news, which obviously uh, sorry uh, to uh, okay, yes. cut across everybody. Yes, I, I've just sent this to the uh, the yep. WhatsApp. No, thing. I, I'm I'm on uh, it. And, I'm on uh, it. Uh, here uh, we go. Yes, uh, ready to show when I'm you are, sir. News to report. Uh, yes. There we so, go. Um, Good news, everyone. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those listening online, you should just explain. Uh, so it says Dubai Air Show media registration confirmation. Dear Neville Bounds, you have successfully been registered for a media hey, pass for the Dubai Air Show Dubai. 2019. This is great news. This is the correct answer. Best. Otherwise, I'd have just been going for a, a short <laughs> yeah. holiday and, and watching Carlos with his camera. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, never mind. He'll show you yes. on the viewfinder afterwards when he gets back to the hotel. Oh, right. yeah. oh well done, yeah. Nev. Yeah. Good, good oh, news. Well, that's, that's good news. Yeah, is. Yeah, we are ready. Um, Oh, what exciting now. Right, uh, 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 Armando, uh, moving on to the next story. And uh, this Armando's one... Armando's nodded off. He's like... This, this, <laughs> He's uh, the will to live This now. is uh, quite... Uh, well, moving from an engine fire to something else. Yeah. Well, yeah, I haven't nodded off. I'm just jealous that you guys are going to Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so this story is from the USA Today. And I, I do like the, the title is, uh, It Startled Me Awake. 
Southwest Airlines evacuates flight after tires blow out, reports say. A, Southwest Airlines uh, flight evacuated arriving at Chicago's Midway International Airport after a hydraulic issue materialized upon landing, resulting in blown tires. There were no injuries. Uh, online flight records from FlightAware show flight number 4448 departing from Austin, arrived about 35 minutes late, landing about 9 a.m., spending 45 minutes on the runway before arriving at the gate. Following a safe landing, the 137 customers and crew of five used air stairs to deplane the aircraft and board buses for the main terminal. Uh, let's see, the problem had to do with a system that powers the landing gear. Eh, debatable. I don't know that anything powers the landing gear other than movement. <laughs> uh, let's see, we apologize to all customers on board for the inconvenience and are working with any connecting customers whose onward travel plans changed as a result of this event. Uh, passengers compared the sound and feeling of the landing to what one might experience when a tire blows on a car. Go figure. Uh, we landed kind of hard. I was actually dozing off and it startled me awake, said uh, Sam German, a passenger. We just heard something go pop and then a rattle. And then it sounded like a flat tire, basically. Probably because it was. Uh, <laughs> Funnily enough. Another passenger told the outlet, if you ever had a flat tire, it was the same type of deal. You kind of hear it flap, flap, flap. Then we just listened a little bit. Pilot did a great job. No swerving, no drama. Uh, Didn't we cover yeah. a story last week about tires? Dodgy t- Was it last week we had oh, yeah. dodgy tires? Not a good year was the, t- the show yeah. title, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. What, 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 was, yeah. what was going on here, Armando, honestly? I, I think flat tires are actually relatively common. Um, whether you're in general aviation or in, uh, uh, you know, a commercial airliner, it could be anything from the anti-skid system, you know, and the, and the, the tires, you know, are just kind of skidding down the runway and, and overheat. You could have a brake failure. You could have a hydraulic hose. Um, but if you ever look at the, the undercarriage of any of the big airliners, you know, that's, that's why there's at least two tires and sometimes four, sometimes more, um, so it's uh, I'm, I'm going to go nothing story on this one. Uh, and they didn't even deploy the chutes. They just kind of pulled up stairs to the airplane and deplaned the passengers. I'm not sure that even counts as an emergency evacuation. So, yeah, so it's just a say, deplaning. Yeah, they just called the AIA out and... Um, right, change yeah, the tire. Change the tire. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, before we move on, uh, we have a WhatsApp video that's just come in from a Mr. Jonathan Warner. Oh, this Warner. is scary. Yeah, so he's been... It's all right, it's all, it's all family-friendly. Okay. Um, he's, uh, he, so it says, Today's fully kitted out U2 departing Fairford. Could you imagine anything else getting off the deck that quick? So let's have a little look and see what see what he's on about here. Um, I'm not getting any sound, unfortunately, but uh, that seems to be... Part of the course. Hang on. Oh, there is no sound. That's probably why. Uh, Perhaps he had his hand up and he was recording. Yeah, I don't know. Why have I not got any sound? Anyway, uh, it's um, it's not it's doing. Not a lot moving. What much. is that? Some kind of glider or something? I don't know. I can't quite see. <laughs> oh, here we go. The oh, car's going to drop no, into it. There we go. The car's going to have a head on. No, no, no. It's all right. It's all good. Don't. Nobody panic. <laughs> It does get airborne rather quick, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Anyway, there we go. Uh, <laughs> well, it's got the it's got the wingspan of a football pitch. Like, 
<laughs> I mean, that, that, that is a thing, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, not it. its middle name. Yeah, absolutely. So this next story on the avweb.com, and uh, worrying well, the, news. The audiovisual news. Yeah, AV, yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> AV dot, com. So uh, Swiss Airlines, uh, this is an aircraft we all know and love, actually. Swiss Airlines grounds uh, their A220 fleet. So Swiss oh. International Airlines temporarily grounded its fleet of Airbus A220 aircraft following an in-flight engine failure oh. on Tuesday that caused a Geneva-bound Swiss Air flight to divert to Paris. Uh, according to France's Bureau de Antiquides, de, uh, something or other, and lots of French right words. <laughs> Bonjour. Uh, the, uh, oh, so yes. multilingual. I know, I know. i I done well in French at school, I'll have you know. Yes, right. I've got a G. Anyway, this is the third such engine failure on a Swiss Airlines Pratt & Whitney PW1524G-3 powered A220 since July. <laughs> Following Tuesday's grounding, the airline began engine inspections and has started returning the aircraft to service. After a comprehensive engine inspection, the first C-Series uh, returned into service in perfect condition, said Swiss Airlines in a statement. Based on the current planning, the flight operations can be resumed by Thursday, which was yesterday, um, in a largely regular manner. So Swiss takes the incidents very seriously and continues to maintain close contact with the responsible authorities, Airbus, Canada and Pratt and & Whitney. The FAA issued an airworthiness directive uh, requiring initial and repetitive inspections of the low-pressure compressor, the LPC inlet guide vane and the LPC rotor 1 on the series of Pratt & Whitney turbofans following the uh, Swiss Airlines second in-flight engine shutdown in September. As uh, per international agreement, the BEA has delegated investigation to the incidents uh, to the NTSB as the authority in the country of design for the engine. As part of that investigation, the BEA is organizing a ground search near Perini Sir Armancon and Cry for some of the damaged engine parts from the July engine failure. Now, Nev, you've um, we were talking about this earlier, and uh, you said it was just Swiss who have uh, had this issue, is it? Yeah, from what I understand, uh, none of the other A220 operators have grounded their fleet. Only hmm. Swiss at this stage. So. Uh, uh, we'll have to see what uh, becomes of it. But, um, yeah, well, at least they've, you know, they, they've taken the right action, haven't they? So let, let's mm. see how that how that uh, progresses. Mm. Matt? Yes, indeed. Yes, on to the next story. This is uh, on simpleflying.com. And the headline is, which airlines would order the Boeing 767X? Mm. Uh, there have been reports of a new Boeing product project titled the 767X. The aircraft will draw inspiration from the existing 767 models, but with a modern twist. Uh, mm. New engine, the aircraft is slated to be introduced by 2025 and will be fitted with General Electric's GENX turbofan jet uh, engines. Uh, Flight Global reports that there will be two variants of the airliner, one for cargo use and another for passenger services. Some of Boeing's existing popular freighters are the 767-300F and the 757-200F. Both jets are also favourites of US shippers FedEx and UPS. FedEx holds 78 767Fs and 119 757Fs, whilst UPS operates 65 of each aircraft type. With the 757 coming of age, both delivery companies uh, may be looking for the 767XF as the perfect replacement with little alterations uh, 
with little alterations that need to be made from existing 767s, existing operators won't have problems adapting to the new aircraft. So the passenger edition, there are ver there are previous reports of Boeing gearing up for the manufacturer of a new mid-size aircraft, NMA. This aircraft was dubbed to be named as the 797, but updates on the project dwindled recently. Delays to the construction of the 777X along with the 737 MAX grounding issues may have put this jetliner on hold. However, the NMA previously billed as an essential replacement to the 757 and 767 fleets, the 767X could be a suitable alternative measure. Delta Airlines hoped to be a priority customer for the 797. According to the Seattle Times, David, Pe David da Daniel Peertrack, uh, Managing Director of Fleet uh, Transactions at Delta Airlines expressed his interest. The director said that the airliner could be an ideal plane for transatlantic routes. Uh, fellow US operator United Airlines also made an inquiry with both Airbus and Boeing about replacing its 757s. United's chief financial officer said that his company had been looking for a jet that can fly from its hub to Newark, uh, from its hub in Newark, sorry, to Europe. Along with this, Alaska Airlines has been keeping an eye on Boeing's progress. The uh, carrier's vice president of capacity planning, John Kirby, expressed his interest in the plane at an uh, ISTAT panel discussion uh, before this before uh, blip, de therefore with the 797 back on back another burner, muffin. Uh, the US carriers <laughs> may be interested in snapping up the 767X's instead now I love the 76 I I flew back from I flew back from Las Vegas actually with uh, on a 767 I think 767 is 400 with Delta Actually, seven six seven is what I came back from New York mm. on. Uh, that was out of Newark, actually. I absolutely loved that. And yeah. um, the the um, a lot of the said the older seven six sevens, of course, had the RB two eleven engines on, mm. which were very lovely sounding engines indeed. Mm. But um, most of the airlines are starting to phase the the older seven sixes out now. I know um, they BA, are quite old, aren't they? Mm, yeah, BA used to have quite a few of these, didn't they? Never. Mm, they did, yeah. They Absolutely. got rid of theirs, yeah, but good, uh, there's uh, still quite a lot of these around. So, mm. so I could still end up on one for the. Oh, there's plenty of room on the seven six, Matt. Don't mm. worry, don't mm. you worry. So, uh, moving on to the next story, and uh, Nev, uh, this is a, a story for uh, Brian Coleman. Oh, yes, it is. It's on again on the simpleflying.com website, and um, it says that United Airlines' new California-themed jet takes flight uh, part of, as part of their National Hair Art Here competition. Uh, United Airlines has unveiled its latest one-of-a-kind painted planes. Uh, designed by San Francisco resident uh, Sungwei Mu, the uh, Boeing 757 called California features the Golden Gate Bridge, palm trees and sunglasses. Uh, the eye-catching design pays tribute to what makes the Golden State the place it is, with the Pacific Ocean, endless beaches, and long Southern ah. Californian summers. Uh, California is an important place for United Airlines, with the Chicago-based airline having significant hubs in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Uh, United Airlines, her uh, her art here. That's really difficult to say, actually. It's not it? great, is uh, it? The competition was launched in February to no to to give interested female artists the chance to express their artwork 
on the body of a passenger plane. Uh, describing her California entry as a work of passion, uh, her design was shaped by her own personal journey after emigrating to the United States of America from uh, Taipei, uh, Taiwan, aboard a United Airlines flight. Uh, in United Airlines uh, press release uh, to publicize the aircraft, aircraft and the Her Art Here contest, Sung Wei talks about her design, saying it's truly a dream come true. Uh, the vibrant colors, sunshine and subject matter make it California. I could never imagine one day my art will be displayed on United Airlines plane, which brought me to the United States. Uh, there are no culture borders in art, and it doesn't matter. My status is an emigrant female artist. The plane has its mission now to bring more joy into people's life, uh, connecting people and united the world uniting the world mm. through experience art. Well, before making this first flight, uh, the California-themed aircraft spent 17 days in a hangar in uh, Amarillo, Texas, whilst painters uh, recreated Sung Wei's winning design on the United Airlines Boeing 757. Uh, United came up with the Her Art Here contest after learning that all of the paintings on display in American museums, only 13% of them were created by women artists. Uh, having their artwork transferred to a United 757 aircraft provides the winning artist with a traveling canvas that flies on average 1.6 million miles in a single year. Uh, the contest was open to those who identify as a woman. This included all American residents who consider themselves a woman regardless of what gender they were born. Uh, United asked the competitors to come up with a unique design that represented either New York or New Jersey or California, which are two key marketplaces for the airline. Uh, artists were asked to paint in their own unique style while also taking into account United's mission and what the communities they were painting about meant to them. All entries were scrutinized by a panel of judges and marks given for content and criteria with the final winnings determined by a combination of the judges' scores and votes sent in by the public. I love this. I love the colours. I love the design. I have to say it's probably one of my favourite I've seen for a, for a while of these kind of... Um, design kind of uh, paint jobs on aircraft but do i do love that blue that is uh, pretty nice and also one of those shots that matt put up during the uh, you're reading actually nev was uh, of the leading edge of the wing and it's all nice and polished aluminium which is i do love armando obviously this is your side of the uh, the uh, water what do you think of this yeah i love it too right you know we did a couple stories on the ana uh, turtle paint schemes, the four turtle paint schemes mm. uh, last year. And uh, this is kind of reminiscent of that, but I, I love anything that's unique. You know, Norwegian puts uh, notable figures on their tails. Alaska had different paint schemes. Southwest does some different paint schemes with some of the markets that they service. So, you know, and the retros, you know, we've done stories about the, the retro liveries for both British Airways and mm. I see the Piedmont uh seventh or actually it's an airbus um flying around here in charlotte every once in a while i i love anything that's unique like this and and well done to this artist i wonder how long they'll um they'll keep it on the aircraft mm. Mm. so um, well, I, I, it's oh, not be funny it's not a cheap thing to do i don't oh no not paint aircraft, paint, paint no, aircraft. No. I mean, it's, it's not you're not sort of changing it every sort of you know thousand miles are you I mean, yeah they should do really just just you know get a hundred children with a million boxes of crayons and just say they are go wild saves a lot of money 
Because, you know, kids love drawing on walls and doors. I mean, there, and... I mean, there are a couple of issues with that, Carlos, I'll be honest with you. Oh, the height, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a bit of a health and safety nightmare, to be honest <laughs> with you, mate. I mean, it's just like small children, crayons and, and delicate aircraft. Um, yeah, no. Okay. Yes. I'm sure Armando Jr. would love to have a go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I mean. I mean. I mean. That's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Uh, Armando Jr. is not a thing. Uh, I, I do have a funny story about Maddie, though. Since we're talking about Armando yeah. Jr., she did come out to the airport yesterday, and I, it, she just completely surprised me because she says, "I want to drive the tug," and I'm like, "What?" And uh, <laughs> she was really, really intense. So I said, "Okay, well, let's go. Let's go drive the tug." And I, I think I've mentioned previously that she knows the difference in aircraft and she knows what corporate aircraft is. She's five. And, uh, wow, good. Good and upbringing. And she can hook up a tow bar. Yeah, she can hook up a tow bar to a, to a, a Bonanza or a Baron, something like that. But yesterday I taught her how to drive a, an aircraft tug. <laughs> it was great. That huh? is so good. I, I, mean, I oh, mean, wow. <laughs> that's so good on so yeah. many levels. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's very cool. It, yeah. any, any inkling at all, it, Armando, is to maybe – that Maddie might go into a aviation background. It's a bit early, yet, I, mate. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit early, but you know, part of me, part of me wants it, and then part of me doesn't because it's a lot of money and it's yes. a volatile industry. And oh, yeah, you, you love for her to be a doctor. Or yeah, something you like and that. Megan will basically be skint for a hundred million years while she's. Uh, you know that. You know that. You know that question yeah. that, that all parents get at a certain age is, yes. as mum, dad, I want to learn to drive. Uh, right. Yeah, that's gonna yeah, okay. that's, that's gonna be bypassed. Right, yeah. That'd be mum, yeah, dad. Yeah. I want to learn to fly. fly. Yeah. Actually, actually yeah. while we're talking about people who nearly bankrupt <laughs> themselves trying to, uh, to fly, I got a message from one of uh, a, uh, a friend of mine got back in touch with me who I haven't spoken to for years and years and years, and that's um, through the the show. So uh, if you are listening to this, uh, Philip Nangle, hello. Uh, I'm just saying hi. Um, yeah, it's, this, this will be a test because he said he has been listening to the show. So if I don't get a message from him now, I will know that he was well lying. Done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Armando, yeah. funnily enough, we're talking about airline careers. And um, the next story is uh, kind of follows along that kind of path. Yeah, this is, this is great. Airbus in the UK has opened up its award-winning apprenticeship program to applications for the 2020 intake. Uh, Airbus did take on a record number of new apprentices as it's uh, brought in sight this year, surpassing even last year's bumper total. 155 craft and undergraduate apprentices joined the aerospace company's site in Flintshire this, uh, this week, with a further 37 apprentices starting at its uh, Filton base. In addition, Airbus's graduate program welcomed 46 new trainee appointments in Filton and 16 in Broughton. Uh, the highly technical nature of the aerospace industry has created a huge demand for skilled and qualified specialists in the UK. Airbus says it has carefully designed graduate programs to give valuable practical training while allowing apprentices to complete college or university studies. Apprentices receive a second to none uh, training, gaining the necessary skills, knowledge and experience to make an immediate contribution when entering the Airbus workforce. Programs from last three to five years give a clear route to a career at Airbus. Apprenticeships have proven a have a proven track record of elevating careers. Around 70% of UK senior managers with Airbus started their careers as apprentices. Uh, Gavin Jones, head of early careers at Airbus in the UK, said 
An apprenticeship at Airbus offers paid on the job training and invaluable work experience, all while still being able to further your education to either national, uh, national diploma or university degree level. The value of our apprenticeship program speaks for itself with so many going on to extremely successful careers in aerospace and aviation. Indeed, many of Airbus's current senior managers started their careers through our apprenticeship program. Uh, applications will close early in the new year. Uh, Airbus has streamlined its recruitment process to manage the large number of applications it receives. Uh, yeah, just a couple months ago, we did an interview with uh, Airbus's or Airbus America's uh, director for research and technology, and she was talking about this about capitalizing on young engineers and mm. and innovative uh, ideas and technologies and manufacturing practices. Um, so. Airbus, you know, continues to to impress me with with the way they're uh, they're keeping their eye on the future, you know, by investing in the youth. So good job. I think when when people think about you know jobs within the aviation or the air, the airline industry, they kind of tend to just focus mainly on you know flight crew and and you know pilots and and the cabin crew and stuff like that. You but there's just there are so many other jobs within the aviation industry um that um that need to be filled mm. you know engineering jobs and and there are just loads and loads of different positions that um, need to be filled by you know the young generation and i was just i was just actually saying in the chat room that um, it's, it's reading stories like this that makes me wish i was you know at least 20 years younger mm, yeah mm. yeah and that's just in general never mind any yeah and that's so aviation yet. Armando? And that's so true, right? What you're saying, Carlos, is it, it isn't just pilots and flight attendants. Uh, there's uh, aviation managers and operations specialists and engineers and uh, you know project managers. And there, there's so many things that go into aviation that have such a bright, bright, bright future. You know, a lot of the engineering uh, specialties are you know materials engineering, not just aerospace engineering. Uh, all of this goes into the aerospace industry and, and it's such a unique industry to be in that, um, yeah, it's great to see programs like this. Definitely. Actually, uh, I just I just noticed, Armando, that you've uh, you'd sent me a video via WhatsApp. So while uh, uh, you're in the chair, I'm just going to play this, this out. Do you want to sort of talk us through uh, what this is as we're talking about flying at the moment? Yeah, going back in time. Uh, so, this is this is Olivier's uh, Cicada TB30, uh, and here we are at one of the local North Carolina airports. So this is a pretty standard takeoff, uh, mostly because you can't do crazy things anymore since there's everybody has a cell phone and uh, yeah. you can't do things close to the ground because <laughs> next thing you know it ends up on on video. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, we yeah we just went right into some sort of loops, uh, Immelmans. We did some hammerheads, aileron rolls, barrel rolls, some snap turns. Um, yeah, that it was just a just a great airplane to fly. Incredibly solid, I guess. You know, the the extra. I've, I've done aerobatics in an extra, and it's pretty. Go ahead. Uh, so where 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 is this exactly? Where so where are you flying this? 
So we went just north of the Charlotte area into pretty rural, almost up to the mountains north of Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, and that's mostly because I just wanted to convince Olivier that he should move down to North Carolina because <laughs> it was so pretty to fly in. Uh, because do. if he moves down here, then I can fly this TB30 all the time. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> n- nothing selfish going on there at all, then. No. <laughs> no n- not at all. Yeah. Lovely. But uh, the airplane was just a, a dream to fly. Yeah. Actually, uh, for those of you listening to the the audio feed, feed of this, the one thing that is very ev- evident is that massive grin on your face from <laughs> ear to ear all the way through that video. Oh yes. You are literally loving every oh, second yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah I'm gonna, it I'm, was. You've you've really for those of you yeah. who are listening to the audio version of the podcast. You, you definitely need to take yourselves over to uh, to our YouTube channel and uh, and have yeah. a look at this video. Yeah, I'm going to turn it off now, but you can watch the, you know the other minute at, of it. Looking at the scenery, I'm, I'm going to throw up if I keep. <laughs> it's <laughs> almost <laughs> like he's flying here in the UK with that scenery in the background. Yeah. To be fair, if you get a nice day, it, it can does look, look like, like that, that here in the UK sometimes. Like yeah. Unfortunately, the one thing you don't get in the UK, and I'm sure Nev can vouch for this, you don't really get nice days very often. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. It knew occasionally, but yeah, yeah. Uh, although the last well, summer has been reasonable, wasn't it? Actually, yeah, it's not uh, too bad. You yeah. know, Pip, uh, Pip, and I went went for our flight here not you know two weeks ago, and he actually commented the same. He he said, "Why? Really? It does kind of look like, like the UK. UK." Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. Especially especially from that sort of height. Uh, I'm yeah, looking forward to that next year. Anyway, moving on. Yes, of course. To yes. the next story, and this one on the CNN Travel dot uh, com. And uh, headline on this one is retired Boeing 747 mm. to become test bed for a revolutionary new engine. Oh, this is this is very exciting, by the way, for no other reason than because for the first time in I don't know how long, uh, Nev, they've actually they're talking about a 747. And uh, look, the look, picture. they've actually got a picture of a 747. It's, it's missing an engine, but there. <laughs> oh, is it the right picture? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, so, yeah, but, you know. The uh, story goes: When uh, when airline uh, when airplanes retire, they get transformed into everything from hotels to underwater art installations. But one Boeing seven four seven has a slightly less glamorous, but nevertheless exciting future path. After twenty years of soaring through the skies in Qantas livery, it's been recruited by Rolls Royce Aerospace Operations to start new life as a test bed for futuristic engines. The aircraft's final commercial flight was uh, from Sydney to LA and is now. Uh, it's now based at Aerotech, a flight center just outside Seattle. Here, the Boeing 747 is set to be transformed during a two-year-long $70 million process before helping to launch the next generation of Rolls-Royce jet engines. So the aircraft uh, flew more than 70 million kilometers over the course of its Qantas career, carrying some 2.5 million passengers. Wow. Uh, as a flying testbed, the aircraft will trial commercial and business engines at super-fast speeds and high altitudes, operated by a crew of specialist test pilots. The aircraft will join forces with Rolls-Royce's existing testbed, flying testbed, uh, which is another 747 that's completed 285 test flights and counting. A mock-up image of how the aircraft will look when it's modified depicts the Boeing 747 testing the upcoming ultra-fan engine, uh, which the aviation community says will redefine the world of jet engines. The fan engine looks pretty big compared to other aircraft standard power units, and uh, it says here that it's a really big fan, around 140 inches 
compared to, say, the XWB that's got a 118-inch diameter. Uh, Caroline Day, Head of Marketing, Strategy and Future Programs at Rolls-Royce, told CNN. On a visit to the UK's Rolls-Royce Aerospace Factory in Derby, England, uh, they told CNN Travel the company is building a number of ultrafan engines to test. The program is significant and there's hundreds of people working on the program because we want to get it ready uh, for the back end of the next decade, she confirms. The team are determined that the new engine will be more fuel efficient and safe and smoother running. As a testbed, the former Qantas aircraft will be outfitted with instrumentation systems allowing it to take measurements of engine performance while it's in the air. This airborne laboratory will enable the development on and certification of the new highly advanced engine technologies designed to increase efficiency and minimize environmental impacts, said Aerotech president and founder Lee Human. He said that our engineering modification and test teams in Seattle and Moses Lake have already hard at work preparing uh, to bring the Rolls-Royce version uh, to reality. Now, it's safe to say, I mean, well, obviously I've seen um, the, the, the one that they've got in play now, the flying test bed, and it does look really weird when you see these head-on, when they mm -hmm. have these the original smaller Rolls-Royce yeah. engines yeah. and then these, and then these monsters huge next engines yeah, yeah, next absolutely. to them. It's amazing that the, you know, they can control these, so obviously with mm. a difference in thrust from an engine that's obviously more highly powered. But um, Well, I suppose it's all about the testing, isn't it? Yes, yeah. but uh, nice of Qantas to sell them one of the old, well, old yeah, aircraft. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before we move on to the next story, uh, Andy Williamson's been in touch again uh, with the uh, aircraft that we were talking about. Uh, now, uh, Armando, you might be slightly better at pronouncing this than, than me. So this, this was from the Red Bull race that we, we mentioned a fo photo of uh, Previously, so it was, is it a Sergi Rachman? Rachman? I can't even say it. Uh, that's the pilot. Oh, is it? Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. No, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Sergi Rachman is, is the pilot. Oh, and, uh, oh, dear. That's it. We're setting Ev off again now. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Right. <laughs> Oops. Blooper reel. Yeah. Bing, 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 bing. That's, that's two in two weeks now. The aircraft. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's. Come on, that's on oh, lost Nev. <laughs> now it's a, it's an MXS <laughs> aircraft. Uh, right. Okay. MXSR to be to be exact. And I I think I I, I did look up Sergey uh, Rachmanin and he flew a, a Sukhoi. He was a world <laughs> right. champion in the Sukhoi. He wasn't an aircraft in the No. No. <laughs> okay, dearie, dearie me. There and, and uh, also he's attached uh, a couple of photos as well. He's saying this is the uh, uh, Middle East tour a few years back. Go the Reds. Obviously the Red Arrows uh, back in, in the Middle East a few weeks back. Uh, so I'm going to try and uh, regain some composure. Now. I know we're going to move on to the next story, <laughs> yeah. Matt. Um, yeah. Uh, this uh, next story for you is uh, rather interesting because it's something that I don't think I would. Dare do um, right okay. to my to my young um, okay yeah. daughter. Yeah, you'll just have to feline, bear with me feline a, daughter. Just bear with me a a brief moment. Here we go. Sorry, uh, my, my laptop's just crashed, so I'm just having to uh, switch to an alternative uh, method of of reading the story. What? I try and uh, so this one is on the right. Manchester so on the, yes, Evening so News. Manchester Evening News is mm. the uh, website or newspaper, uh, and the headline is: Couple stopped at airport security after accidentally packing pet cat in <laughs> hand luggage. As you do, uh, Candy the cat had sneakily made herself at home in the couple's suitcase without them realizing. A couple heading off on holiday were stopped at airport security for accidentally packing their pet cat in their hand luggage. Nick and. Um, 
uh, I want to say Vray Cole, uh, were astonished to find that Candy had managed to sneak into their suitcase while they were packing for a 40th birthday trip to New York. The pair were ushered into a side room and questions about the surprising discovery before airport staff organised for the curious cat to be picked up and taken home so that the couple could get on their flight. Nick from the Isle of Man told the Manchester Evening News that Candy is always looking for bags, boxes and tight spaces to hide in. Our, <laughs> our hand luggage didn't have uh, much in it so we could bring shopping home, Nick said. But Candy, our cat, found a way in uh, and off to the airport we all went. Airport security were all very puzzled and repeatedly asked if the bag was ours <laughs> after it had been through the scanner. After being taken into a side room, Nick said that his wife discussed it, uh, guessed that it could have been one of their three cats, as they had secretly decided to join them, and she was right. The couple said staff at the Isle of Man airport were awesome and laughed with them once they realised it was an honest mistake. Luckily, Candy was later picked up by friends, and Nick and his wife still managed to catch their flight to the US in time. Uh, Nick shared photos of Candy's trip to the airport on his Facebook page, which have been shared hundreds of times now i can't see your cat uh, <laughs> she would not <laughs> not a hoping uh, yeah, i mean absolutely. the minute you yeah. zip the case up yeah, she would go absolutely. mental i mean it's uh, i mean several things that surprised me there is that the fact that they didn't sort of really notice that the bag was wriggling or so i mean surely yeah, the cat meowing. must have tried to sort of you know oh squeaky wheel on my, on my suitcase dear yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, 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 yeah all yeah, those yeah. wheels yes uh, but uh, oh, yes now um, uh, now I, I, can you see someone like Lois Lois Lane getting in a suitcase Armando to do something similar <laughs> she probably would but like you're saying I don't know that she would stay quiet very uh, very long at all no no. Uh, you know, I, I I feel like I saw this movie and now the cat's gone through the scanner and now it's a radioactive cat and now it's going to grow a third eye and then they walk <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. talk and it's going to yeah. be the yeah, that's true. of all the cats yeah, in the yeah, kingdom. Yeah, it is. There's this week's show cats, title, cats Glow in the Dark Cats. Glow in the Dark Cats, yes. It was yeah. Cats and Dogs, wasn't it, where the, where the cats took over the world. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now, uh, can, now, you imagine, can you imagine the look on the, on the security operator's face when they're sitting, at, you know, they're sitting there as they do, you yeah. know, looking miserable and yes. they look at the screen and then a suitcase goes through Three, with the just think, image of a of a, of a, a cat. Of something. Huh? What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, uh, now w w one of your cats, especially Nevin, and uh, that you had. I mean, uh, he he was very chilled out, wasn't he? I could I could quite easily see him doing <laughs> something yeah. like that. <laughs> De definitely, Tom would yeah, have definitely yeah. uh, accidentally have yeah. done that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, this looks uh, comfy. All these all these you know, clothes. Yes. This will do. Yes. It's a long old flight, though. <laughs> I mean, it. if they hadn't yeah. found a cat, you know, it's a, it's a, that's a Blinking mm. long flight. I mean, I, I mean, part of me is really <laughs> pleased that security were actually yeah. awake enough to. Oh, um, oh, oh, there we go. Oh, the the, the car, uh, I think I think Armando's alarm's just gone off. Uh, <laughs> the postman's just arrived. Is, yeah, is, is we're the, doing the cat story, and of course, he starts barking. Ah, I see. He's very excited. Yes. <laughs> Never mind. So uh, right on cue. Well done, Nev. Uh, <laughs> Nev. The next story is uh, has got a brilliant advert at the top. I will say, but the uh, next story is uh, regarding a, a certain airline in the UK here. Yes. Um, Titan uh, is a, uh, a wet lease uh, specialist uh, company. Ah. And uh, this is on the flightglobal.com website. And uh, 
They're bringing in its first, um, or their first, Airbus A330, which is a Dash 200 variant to replace uh, a Boeing 767-300ER. Uh, the carrier had indicated earlier this year that it was looking at A330s as an alternative to its 16-year-old 767. Titan says that it will introduce the five-year-old A330 on a five-and-a-half-year lease. The jet is configured with 32 lie-flat seats and 206 economy seats. Uh, identified the source of the aircraft, but the seating configuration and the interior cabin design uh, images released by Titan match those of the uh, A330. 3200s which were delivered to Avianca Brazil but which were withdrawn uh, following the airline's collapse earlier this year. Uh, whilst Titan operates uh, six uh, Airbus single aisle jets including an A318, two uh, A320s and three A321s, uh, the new addition is its first twin aisle from the European airframe manufacturer. Uh, Titan says it is moving to an all Airbus fleet and the A330 will arrive in the first quarter of 2020 and will be put into a service during April says the London Stansted-based operator. Uh, it still has two Boeing 757-200s and a pair of 737-400 freighters. Uh, we have selected the aircraft due to the very high standard of the cabin and the crew rest compartment, which will enable us to operate the aircraft to its maximum range, says Business Director Alistair Kernan. And of course, uh, these uh, aircraft are used, as I said earlier, as, as wet leases. So uh, they will lease the crew and the aircraft to airlines that have got uh, uh, aircraft out of service or shortage or, or that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, you often see uh, Titan uh, whizzing around uh, in and out of Stansted, don't you? Yeah, well, the... it wasn't Titan uh, doing a lot of the Thomas Cook uh, rescue I think they flights, did, yeah. I, I'm sure the CAA mentioned mm, them specifically yep. as, uh, you know, for being so helpful. Well, they've, they've got, uh, Titan have got an A318, uh, which they're currently on, that's currently on lease to BA, funnily enough now. Oh, okay. Um, they've got um, three A321s that are all being leased to Jet 2 at the moment. And they've also got um, one of their 757s, Nev, is being leased to TUI uh, at the moment. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and cool. uh, as Nev said, they've actually got two of those 737-400 freighters. They must be a few years old uh, well, because yes, the old yes, Dash 400s are, are a few yes, years old. They've got, yeah. a, they've got a, a couple of years under their belt, mm. uh, I think it's safe to say. So uh, moving on to the last story, Armando, and uh, he's uh, busy eating his uh, <laughs> banana. Bless him. But uh, uh, Armando, if you want to introduce uh, the last story, and this is, uh, we haven't had one of these for a while on the show, so uh, I thought rather than the top 10, we'd have a top 20 this oh, week. Oh, blimey. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, that's right. I didn't think you were going to cut to me because Matt always does the top 10s and top no, 20s. We, we bequeath you with that, that uh, title this week. Well, well, what a great uh, top 20 to have. This is the world's cleanest airline cabins. Unfortunately, no UK airlines. Of course not. Oh. So uh, I'll give you the, the yeah, yeah, sorry about that. The, the, the background is uh, the aircraft's dirtiest surfaces, which we've talked about quite a bit, are difficult to avoid. The floor is pretty gross. Even the coffee can't be trusted. Uh, but the good news is that airlines are upping the stakes when it comes to keeping their cabins in tip-top conditions. Uh, Skytrax awards for the best airline cabin cleanliness in 2019 have been announced, 
revealing which airlines have the cleanest cabins rated by their passengers. Uh, so uh, if we are yeah, already so there, let, let's first of all, let's cue the music. Ready. And he broke it. That, that was a really good start, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Let's try that again. There we go. <laughs> Starting off at 20 then. <laughs> so in at number 20. I can't hear it. Oh, um, I don't mind. Just go with the flow. Oh, number so, 20, Finnair. At number 19, <laughs> please, Nev. It's Thai Airways. Oh, number 18, please, Carlos. They're clean as a whistle. It's Bangkok Airways. It's 17, please, Armando. Cathay Dragon. Wow, never heard of them. Number 16, please, Nev. Number 16 is Qantas Airways. Number 15, Carlos. It's KLM, Royal Dutch Airlines. Armando, 14. Friends Down Under, Air New Zealand. Uh, it's number 13. That's Korean Air. And uh, number 12. Austrian Airlines. Number 11. Super generic, China Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, into the top 10. It's number 10. Clean as a whistle, it's Lufthansa. I <laughs> see what you did there. Number nine. <laughs> Number nine, it's the one we all love to pronounce. It's Qatar, Qatar, Qatar Airways. <laughs> At number eight. Finally, one we do know, Cathay Pacific Airways. <laughs> In at number seven. Is Swiss International Airlines. Mm. It's number six. Heinen Airlines. Uh, pardon? Heinen. Very nice. good. Okay, and uh, it's top of the. It's nearly in the Anyway, number five. <laughs> <laughs> number five, Asiana Airlines. In at number four. And yes, we like them, Singapore Airlines. In three. It's A N A, all Nippon Airways. In two. Almost making it to the top, that's Japan Airlines. And bully special prize. Who were the cleanest, Nev? Who <laughs> were the spotless yeah, airline? The, the cleanest airline cabins for 2019 uh, is awarded to Eva Air. Ah, very good, very good. As, as, as uh, Armando quite rightly pointed out, there no British carriers in there. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked to have seen at least like say BA. Maybe next year. Yeah, maybe yeah. next year. Yeah, I would yeah. like to have seen maybe BA or someone like that. In there. What's it? The closest we got. To is Lufthansa, I suppose, would be our closest or, Close, or closest European carrier, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. But I mean, I mean, gen genuinely, obviously, I mean, like Nev, obviously, you've had a reasonable amount of experience on BA. I mean, what is the is? Are they clean most of the time? It it is difficult, and of course, a lot of airlines. I mean, they don't use their own staff to clean the aircraft. No. They use contract um, uh, labour at the local uh, airport. So. It's, yeah, obviously, at the end of the day, it is their airline, but they are uh, third-party contract companies for mm. the most part. So it's not just about the airline, although at the end of the day, they're I guess they're signing off the cleanliness of it or, well, or not, are, yeah. but it's also about the, uh, the, the 
people that they use uh, around the world. So, Indeed. Um, yeah, but, um, uh, well, we'll see you on Monday when I go to Dublin, and Ooh, I should be yes. uh, inspecting you the carpet inspect- and, yes, and, the, so. uh, and the seats. Checking, checking the, the, the seat tables and things. And yeah. the, Yes. I, in, uh, I was just going to say, actually, in uh, for those I you... I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, absolutely. I, I don't, <laughs> don't take a UV light with you. That's probably oh, the key. Oh, my word, no. Absolutely. <laughs> so in That's about nice, um, yeah. in about three weeks' time, we have uh, we have got a guest actually lined up for the show in three weeks' time. And this uh, the guest we've got coming on actually spends most of his time on flying on airlines. He does seem um, to, doesn't he? Yes. Everywhere yeah. across the globe. So uh, he'll probably give us a good um, yeah. what's mingy and what's not very what's mingy. Yeah, That's what's, very um, good. Well nice yes. in the airline Proud world. Day, everyone. <laughs> so that's where we bring the commercial news segment to a close and i uh, hope you'll enjoyed that hello to john jester actually john jester's in the chat room i just say it's seen there and oh owen has popped in hello yeah. to you owen hope you are well he's uh, in the chat room so uh coming up next on the show then we've got uh, a little bit of uh video so what what's this video matt who, who who's this uh, well from? i don't know do we throw this to nev or <laughs> can, can we do that no maybe not I can talk about it. If yeah, you do if you wouldn't so, mind. Sorry, it yes. just makes, it gives me less buttons to press. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> one of our <laughs> yes, uh, fewer. Anyway, um, we sorry, are sorry. very pleased to say that uh, our list- listener uh, Chris Griggs uh, sent in some video today to us, um, and it's all about his trip on an aircraft which we mentioned a couple of times on the show so far, the uh, Airbus A220. And we all like this aircraft, and we uh, had the chance to go on it at uh, Farnborough uh, last time around. But uh, this is Chris's passenger experience. You join me at Gatwick Airport, where I await my first flight on board an Airbus A220 aircraft no Bombardier C-Series. This particular aircraft, performing Air Baltic Flight 652 to Riga, is a 300 model, registration Yankee Lima Charlie Sierra Juliet, delivered to the airline in July 2018. It is one of three aircraft in Air Baltic's fleet, sporting a special livery. These liveries show stylized versions of the flags of Latvia, Lithuania, and in this case Estonia. As the aircraft pulls on stand, you're able to get a good look at how large the Pratt & Whitney PW1524G geared turbofan engines are. And we'll have another quick look just before we step on board. Looking at a popular flight tracking website, we can see that our route took us around London, towards Essex, before turning east over the Netherlands, Germany, the Baltic Sea and into Latvia. There was a slight delay, but looking at previous flight data, that's not unusual for this particular flight. First impressions of the cabin are that it's light and airy, with large windows and a high ceiling for an aircraft of its class. The seats are wide with reasonable legroom. The tray table is, unusually, supported by a central pillar surrounded by two small mesh pockets. The in-flight entertainment consists of PTUK, whatever else you bring with you, and there is a large pocket at the top of the seat containing the safety information card and a rather substantial in-flight magazine. There are small screens throughout the cabin that show a moving map, the safety demonstration and lots of adverts. Towards the end of the flight, they show gate information for connecting flights. Unless you pay to reserve a seat, you are randomly allocated one at check-in. Unfortunately, mine was the furthest you can get from the window, so you'll have to forgive the shaky camera work. But let's listen to how quiet the engines are at takeoff.
The engine and aerodynamic noise remained low throughout the flight. I didn't notice any difference in the humidity or pressure of the cabin air compared to other aircraft, but I did feel more refreshed after the flight than usual, even for short haul. The large windows also let in a lot of lateral light, adding to the improved atmosphere. After nearly three hours, the slimline seats were beginning to feel rather hard, and it was time to bid the aircraft goodbye. On my return flight from Tallinn, I was able to chat with the captain. He started flying gliders as a young man, before becoming a commercial pilot, first flying the Soviet Yakolev Yak-40, before moving to Western types such as the Boeing 737, and spent the last year on the A220. Looking around the flight deck, the first thing you notice is the size of the flight displays, and for an aircraft not designed by Airbus, it feels very Airbus-like, with the side stick controls. Thanks for watching. That was, that was really good. Yeah, of course it was. We've got awesome listeners. That's Blimey, right. thank you, yeah, Chris. Absolutely. That was absolutely fantastic. Hello. And, and someone's got their volume up. Yeah, somebody's got their I, volume. Yeah, uh, I, 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 <laughs> I, I really, yeah, the interior of that aircraft. The, yeah. Um, when we went, when Al and I went on it at Farnborough, the first thing you notice, apart from you know the, the windows being fairly large, is the amount of space that you've got in the overhead bins as well. And it's a, a three and two uh, c configuration uh, for the seating side of things, but they've done a really good job of it. And what I didn't realize, I don't know whether that's on every aircraft or just Air Baltic specification, you know, that center pillar they've mm. got for the, for the, the tray. Tray. Yeah. What a good, what yeah, a good really idea good. that is, you yeah. know. Uh, well, yeah, it looks really good. I thought good. the IFE um, was brilliant yeah, as well. Uh, yeah, so the IFE yeah, had uh, PTUK good, good live content. on it. I think uh, all aeroplanes <laughs> should have that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I can't see that happening uh, anytime soon. But oh, to I know, like uh, Chris, thank you so very much yes, for well done, Chris. taking the time to do that. And uh, please, if that's inspired any of you to do something similar, do please feel free. Uh, if, if video editing isn't your thing, you just need to take the footage and we'll put it all together for you. Uh, that's fine. As I, Chris actually did virtually all of that entirely on his own to say all Nev had to do to that was just sort of put our bits on the front and back of it so uh, yeah if you fancy having a go at creating your own passenger experience we'd be only too delighted to receive it you can do that by uh, emailing the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com or obviously don't forget you can use the whatsapp uh, which is uh, proving to be a very popular way of uh, of getting uh, in touch with the show, and uh, I can't get the number to come up. Otherwise, I'd actually just it, say but, uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of love in the chat room for uh, for that uh, particular segment. Yeah. So well done, Chris. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, that was very, yeah, very, very well done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yes, yeah, so uh, ping us a WhatsApp, uh, send us an email, uh, or or uh, get in touch either via, mm. on social media if you would like to send in your own passenger experience. So we're going to move on to the next part of the show, which uh, means I've got to hand things over to uh, the legend that is Armando. <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. Yeah, if we're uh, ready to wrap up the show, we always do so with the best part of the show, which is <laughs> the military segment. <laughs> Here we go. when the collision actually happened, but the U.S. Marine Corps has just recently received 
uh, released an official investigation uh, report into the 2018 collision that claimed the lives of six Marines. The accident, which took place off the coast of Japan, uh, involved an F-18 Hornet strike fighter attempting to refuel at night from a KC-130 aero refueling tanker. The report blames the collision on a lack of command oversight over operations and training, as well as an unprofessional command climate. Uh, the report rules out aircraft malfunction, stating that all aircraft were fully functional. The flight data recorder from the F-18 was recovered, as was the cockpit voice recorder and the data recorder from the KC-130J. Uh, investigators relied on information from both uh, from both, as well as numerous interviews to complete the 1,600-page report released by the U.S. Naval Institute News. So the collision did take place off the coast of Japan on the night of December 6, 2018. Two F-18 Hornets assigned to Marine All-Weather Fighter Attack Squadron 242, otherwise known as VMFA-242. They were practicing nighttime refueling from the KC-130. Uh, the aircraft were refueling under realistic conditions with the pilots wearing night vision goggles to see in the dark. Additionally, the Hornet fighters were flying with nav lights turned off. So according to the report, the two Hornets, call sign Profane 1-1 and Profane 1-2, were flying alongside the tanker, call sign Sumo 4-1. The three aircraft were flying at 15,000 feet, 1.30 in the morning local time, when the aerial refueling started. Uh, both aircraft refueled. They were supposed to fly off the KC-130's right side, uh, and then... Uh, Profane 1-1, the formation leader, requested that 1-2 fly off the tanker's left wing, what a Marine accident investigator called a non-standard position. Uh, Sumo 4-1, the tanker, which was in charge of the refueling, approved the request. Uh, they did so, and uh, and again, they, they, they were flying that way. It was a non-standard procedure. Then uh, they switched back to the right side. The formation leader uh, requested that the other, the wingman, go back off to the left side. So basically, inexperienced, night flying, and confused, uh, the wingman eventually lost situational awareness, moved to right instead of left, um, then abruptly corrected, in the, and uh, the F-18 impacted the C-130 in the vicinity of the right side rear jump door, um, which, is, which is kind of a, an, the position that you would be in a pre-contact position. Sorry, it's an audio podcast and I'm doing the, the wing thing, the hand flying thing. <laughs> uh, the, bi the big tanker was uh, badly damaged, last seen on fire, uh, was uh, descended down from 12,000 feet. Uh, the wingman, the crew ejected, uh, which the aircraft at that point was uncontrollable. The uh, pilot was lost at sea, but the WIZO, the weapons systems officer, was rescued by a Japanese search and rescue helicopter. And then all five of the C-130 crewmen were lost at sea. Uh, the remains of three of the five were later recovered. Uh, Profane 1-1, the flight lead, was not involved in the crash and returned to Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni in Japan. Um, so I guess the, this is kind of the wrap up is, is the investigation stated that that the squadron suffered from a command climate of general unprofessionalism and misconduct. 
including prescription drug and alcohol abuse, conduct unbecoming an officer, sexually explicit call signs, orders, violations, and failures to follow fundamental principles about professional aviation training and operations. Um, So the uh, individuals killed in the crash were Lieutenant Colonel Kevin Herman, Major James Brophy, Staff Sergeant Maximo Flores, Corporal Daniel Baker, Captain William Ross, and Captain Jamar Resillard. Yeah, so, you know, for a safety investigation to come back and state that the cause of the crash was an unprofessional command climate. Wow. uh, Yeah. That's, uh, well, first of all. It's quite damning, actually, isn't it, really? It will likely be a career-ending, you know, finding for for those in command. But, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. Aviation in itself is an inherently risky thing. And it is something that whether you're a general aviation pilot, an aerobatic pilot, a cargo pilot, a a professional pilot, um, you have to respect the airplane. You have to respect the systems. uh, And to do so, you have to be disciplined both in the air and on the ground. And if if your conduct is risky on the ground, it is likely that your conduct will be risky in the air. Yeah. Um, and the military is one of those unique organizations where you can dictate what the climate is on the ground uh, and in your organization. I mean, so, is it one of those uh, things that, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, the army flying corps, etc. I mean, banter is, is uh, a big thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's all part of that. Do you think it's where this has just got a little bit too carried away, perhaps, and therefore mistakes were made? Because, I mean, you know, in the mess hall when you're not in the air, I mean, mm. you know, it's a brave person that goes in there, you know, without some kind of, you know, backup. <laughs> well, it's all related. And and if an organizational climate is as such where it is unprofessional on the ground, yeah, sure, banter and, and rivalry and, and all those things are you know, a thing that you would find in the military as well as any sports team or, you know, any, any team really, but really it's up to the, it's up to the leadership to keep in mind what the end goal there, you know, mm-hmm. it, it sounds callous, but I always reminded the the folks that I worked with that while we will become friends, we are not there to, to be friends. Be friends. We are there to accomplish the mission yeah. Uh, and to do so safely for both ourselves and our our customers, which are you know those people that we were supporting on the ground, mm-hmm. um, and and it's not just endemic to the military because there are plenty of pilot stories where pilots have left, you know, pick an outfit, a cargo outfit, because they're deferring maintenance items or the there's a uh, a management climate that is unprofessional, mm-hmm. so. So it's not just a military thing. It, it can happen in any organization, aviation or not, yeah. where the success of the organization relies upon the professionalism of its members. Yeah. Uh, actually, Tony in the chat room has just said, uh, interestingly, that the crash report for last year's Red Arrow fatal crash uh, was mm-hmm. released this week, and it doesn't make good reading, he was saying. Um, I mean, this, this story, like, this story like uh, pilot error there. Air-to-air refueling is, is, is fairly 
you it's know, fairly routine, a, I suppose. Well, it, 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 there is a, you know, a huge art to doing air-to-air refueling. In, in the daytime, mm. when, the, when it's daylight, and it, you can see everything that's going on. But, you know, at night time, yeah. you just add a whole different uh, level of, um, you know, expertise to the to air-to-air yeah, refueling. absolutely. But then it's a, spe- you know, yeah. it's a special, any specialist mm. job, isn't it? I mean, it's... Yeah, you know, specifically with air-to-air refueling, there's a procedure, and you stick to that procedure. And at, at night, at night under NVGs, um, is not the time to get hot doggy and, and try to come up with something new. You know, mm-hmm. a, a new thing just yeah. because you're, I don't know, you're complacent in the way it's always been done. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm-hmm. take the initiative to do something different. Well, you know, why? what what's what's the reasoning behind that there, there's no reason to it in-flight refueling is already a scary thing yeah, um, yeah which is exactly what, what michael just said in the chat room air to air refueling is never routine he says <laughs> yeah yeah it was one of those things that always amazed me when when i was flying and and uh you're sitting there in the cockpit of one airplane and you're looking at another airplane and man it is incredibly close mm. um and I, I don't know that once I ever thought, well, this would be the time to try something new. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, indeed. Uh, anyway, move on to the next story. Yeah, please, the, um, yeah. yeah the next story is on uh, combataircraft.keypublishing.com. Uh, and uh, this, I love this aircraft. If I, if I could have my own kind of um, trainer, fighter jet kind of trainer, I'd, I'd have one of these in the back garden. But anyway, right, okay. uh, this, um, you've got to get that through the wife first, of course, don't forget. Yeah, that. there's a joint account for that. So this, <laughs> oh, um, this headline is, Report says Boeing Saab TX trainer would make an ideal light fighter. Uh, a new study for the US Air Force says the key to expanding its fleet of fighter aircraft could lay in developing the new Boeing Saab TX trainer as a low-cost lightweight fighter. The study is one of two reports by the MITRE Corporation in answer to Congress's directive for an independent analysis of the U.S. Air Force's aim to increase in size in order to meet the demands of the national defense strategy. The corporation's senior principal systems engineer, David Gerber, says the less demanding missions such as homeland defense should not soak up precious hours for advanced fourth and fifth generation fighters, saying that this kind of role could easily be assumed by a development uh, variant of the TX. The Air Force We Need initiative suggests uh, increasing the U.S. Air Force fighter squadrons from 55 today to 62 by the mid-2020s. In budget constraint times, the TX could offer dramatically lower upfront acquisition and through life support costs. Speaking at June's Paris Air Show, Boeing's Tom Breckenridge, Vice President of the International Sales, told reporters that the company expects a global market for some 2,600 advanced jet trainers in the era of its TX. It knows it's tapping into huge potential, but it needs to be realised if the company is to make serious money with the TX. Uh, TX is broadly aimed at 351 new aircraft and associated training systems under a planned budget that was as much as $19 billion. Uh, Boeing's winning bid was worth $9.2 billion. The initial number of aircraft is purely for undergraduate pilot training within the Air uh, Education and Training Command, AETC. But there are several avenues that could offer additional businesses from the U.S. Air Force. Uh, Boeing is already looking at flight attack air, air and aggressor training opportunities for the aircraft and says it has already identified locations for hard points under the wings. Coupling low cost and high performance makes the Boeing aircraft an exciting overall prospect 
for the US Air Force. Uh, maintaining a fleet of fifth generation fighters is going to impact overall mass due to high cost of operating uh, these advanced fighters while multi-role capability ensures that high-end fighter aircraft are ambitu uh, ambitious and versatile. Clearly some more niche roles can be justified for other platforms, especially if it helps preserve fifth generation fighter fleets. Although clever low high force mix by removing the need to fly more benign missions in permissive environments. This is something a TX aircraft modified with a small electronically scanned array radar and short range uh, air missile could theoretically prove extremely effective at. And there is actually, um, for those of you uh, listening or watching the show, Matt will put the links in the show notes. But there is a video uh, from Boeing that goes along uh, with the story which uh, Boeing have put together of the aircraft itself uh, on its uh, test flights, EMD test flights. Mm. But I just think in the, the picture that uh, is at the top of the story on here in that uh, paint job looks awesome. These do look very, um, I don't know, it's kind of um, F 16 ish, F 18 ish. I don't know, they're kind of. Um, like a, a mini version of a fighter jet, I'd like to say. Yeah. But I expect they're, uh, they'll probably see me out of a bank account, I think. Uh, yes, yes, mm. or a divorce, or both. Or both, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Nev, uh, on to the next story, please. <laughs> yeah, this is on the uh, airforcemag.com website. Uh, and it says that the UK's RAF is emulating the US Air Force's uh, Rapid Capabilities Office, creating its own RCO to swiftly field new aircraft gear and will pursue a version of the US, uh, US Air Force's New Century Series initiative in developing its own next-generation combat aircraft, the Tempest. Uh, even with these steps, however, the RAF commander said he sees no changes for Britain's involvement with the F-35 programme. Uh, Air Chief Marshal Michael Wigston, head of the RAF, told AFA's Mitchell Institute for Aerospace Studies on October the 11th that the RCO idea was born on this side of the Atlantic, but when we saw the model and what it was capable of, there was no question that we needed to bring it in. He credited the RAF's RCO with some remarkable successes in providing some dispensables and in reducing the risk in the Tempest, also known as the future combat air system. The Tempest is a stealthy combat aircraft with a front end that resembles that of the F-35. Uh, the challenge for both organisations, he said, is in scaling up what they produce to be applicable to the entire force. Uh, Britain's RCO has proved its worth in terms of introducing the next generation of expendable decoys, lightweight swarming drones and other capabilities, he said. Uh, scaling up successful demonstrations is something we're wrestling with at the moment. Uh, the secret, Wigston said, is to get the right team around the table from day one uh, with the right mindset and the authority to knock down barriers and not take no for an answer. The RAF has already launched 80 programs and let 160 contracts on Tempest enabling technologies across the range of capabilities. You would imagine going into a future combat air system, Wigston said. It's not yet been decided whether the jet will be manned, although there may be a manned aircraft at the center with local wingmen and the like around it. Tempest sets the pace for US uh, Air Force's uh, Digital Century Series initiative and this is where the competition is really a good thing he said. 
the ambitions for USF as uh, next generation air dominance, uh, NGAD system and Tempest, Tempest match, Wigston asserted. But I think it will bring out the best in both of our aerospace sectors and the way our government contracts with the aerospace sector. The prize uh, itself is not just in achieving new combat capabilities, but finding a whole new way of working with our industrial sector where we get the platform we need faster and frankly cheaper, he said. Companies will be incentivized to produce quickly and effectively, but the government is not being over-prescriptive in, in defining the capability that we need. France, Germany and Spain are also exploring a similar concept with the new generation fighter. This is going to be a really exciting decade ahead as we learn from the experience of introducing fifth generation platforms, he said. Uh, Wigston also said that he thinks a five-year aircraft development cycle, such as that proposed by Air Force Acquisition Chief Will Roper, is achievable. Uh, the Tempest will likely start filling in behind early tranches of retiring Typhoon fighters starting in the 2030s and completely replace the type in the 2040s, he said. Uh, he also said that BAE, BAE's partnership with Saab of Sweden is critical in the development of Tempest. He admires the speed and culture with which Saab modernised and spirally improved the Jazz 39 Gripen C to the E model. Um, I look at that and I say, that's exactly what I want, he says. Uh, Wigston said that Jude Lai saw the first international fifth generation training where US B-2 bombers and British F-35s practiced operating together. He said that an increased pace of both training for joint fifth generation operations, such as this summer's point blank exercises, and practicing putting F-35s down in places like Italy, another F-35 partner, and having them serviced, rearmed and launched again. British F-35s will practice alongside Marine Corps uh, F-35s when the new British carrier, the Queen Elizabeth II, conducts sea trials off the US East Coast very soon, he noted. Mm. Whilst it's definitely a discussion for the future of whether Britain needs F-35As as well as F-35Bs, the conventional takeoff and short takeoff vertical landing variants, respectively, the UK is committed to buy at least uh, 138 F-35s, uh, at least for the next few block buys and confirmed orders, Wigston said. Britain, Britain understands that the reasoning behind the US, uh, US's decision to oust Turkey from the F-35 programme, and I would absolutely recognise that we have to be uh, constantly on our guard for migration of any of their technologies for F-35s to Russia or any other potential adversary. Turkey is being ejected from the F-35 consortium over its adamance in the Russian S-400 air defence system, which could compromise secrets about the F-35 stealth properties. I'm very confident that the programme will continue and adjust for the absence of Turkey, Wigston asserted. Clearly, we'd all prefer to see Turkey as remaining part of the programme, but there's no debate about the decision. It's just regrettable that we are where we are. So that's quite a long article, but... Uh, gives you some insights into uh, how these things are developing mm. and also how um, uh, international business is conducted and uh, if people mm. see that a certain country is a bit too close to uh, uh, another country that they can be actually um, taken out of the uh, the program out of the program yeah absolutely just looking up the tempest while you're reading it actually nervous um, it, it looks really good they had they had a mock-up at um, 
uh, in tw- well early this year at one of the air shows I think uh, in Europe. But it mm. um, we're not actually it says it's not going to be introducing the service until 2035. Mm. So yeah, it's quite a way off. It's got, yeah, not for, uh, quite a quite a way away, as mm. you say. It's actually while while uh, we've been talking, uh, uh, while there's been reading that story, actually the chat room has been having an interesting discussion about um, refueling. Actually, going back to our, our first mm. story there, I wonder, uh, Armando, if you might be able to sort of summarise that a bit, actually, because they, they've. Uh, I think one of the questions, right, was your was the Osprey, wasn't it? Like whether it was possible to uh, sort of refuel that in the air. Yeah, uh, different. Uh, so there, there's two uh, predominant systems to refueling aircraft. One is is with a boom, um, and a, a boom has a little flying wing and it has an operator. Um, unless you're the KC46, which is uh, all supposed to be more automated, but it's basically a boom, um, maybe twenty or so feet that extends down from the bottom of the aircraft, has a little flying wing, and then it extends further from there. Uh, where it essentially inserts into a receptacle into the receiving aircraft. The other way to do it is probably the more commonly seen when when you talk about aerial refueling, which is a hose that extends out from the aircraft and it has a little, a drogue chute. It looks like a little parachute on the end of it. And the receiving aircraft has a probe and you got to fly the probe into the, into the chute uh, or into the drogue. So there's pros and cons to each system. Um, Basically, there's variations in simplicity and who needs to be better between, do you need a a good boom operator or do you need a good pilot? So in general, (laughs) I I, I would argue perhaps you need both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. That's that's the ultimate goal is to have good of all of them. Mm. But, but there are some some advantages in that, you know, one system is easier to maintain. So if you if you just have a hose that extends out from the aircraft, I can fly a, a fairly low speed airplane mm. into it, and it's difficult to catch. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you if you just go to YouTube and look at any video of of an aerial refueling with a with a a drogue chute, it's bouncing up there depending on the airplane. Sometimes you get it's bouncing mm. in the wake turbulence. Sometimes you get it, you know, so it's difficult. It's difficult to fly into it, catch it, and then stay locked onto it yeah. as the refueling aircraft is making its turns or, or changing altitude or something like that. And t- Tony flip- has a great Tony has a great point here. He said, "Well, there's pros and cons to each system, hence the reason we still use both." Yeah, that that's right. And and some aircraft are outfitted with with both so there's a very few a very small number of kc-135s that have both drogues and the boom uh, i'm sure there's other aircraft i know some of the british aircraft are outfitted with with both the the boom and the drogue and that has been a lesson learned in the last sort of 15 years of combat is as we all continue to work together more closely mm-hmm we need to be able to refuel from a British tanker or a, a British yeah. fighter needs to yeah, be able absolutely. to refuel from a U.S. tanker. Mm. So the systems have become more interoperable. At the end of the day, well, they're all developed by Boeing or Airbus. Yeah. Um, more standardized in, in effect so that these, these things can they be... Kinda need a, they kind of need a one-size-fits-all 
yeah. kind of thing, don't yeah. they? You know? I suppose so. But then again, I suppose it's like you know, going going back to the world of the, that me and Nev live in. I mean, it's it's the standardisation of the micro USB or the USB C. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you almost need that sort of if you yeah. are, as you say, if people are going to be working together, they almost need to come up with one type, and that's what everybody uses. But then I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I mentioned it only because it was actually quite a fascinating chat to to work my to to read. And, yeah. Um, yeah. We we need to move on actually because we're rapidly running out of time we've only got, got nine minutes we've only got nine minutes before the actually the, the, the next story goes, so. love this story matt for yeah. you and yeah, uh, when you've done this there's some I'm awesome some, pictures i'm gonna pop, pop some pictures up yeah. so this is on the mail on uh, on uh, line and uh, uh, we actually um the queen elizabeth was mentioned uh, in the last story but it says the british uh, supersonic stealth jets have taken off and landed on hms queen elizabeth uh, aircraft carrier for the first time as part of an advanced trial uh, with the u.s military the f-35 lightning jets the world's most advanced will undergo rigorous mission planning and flying exercises off the east coast of North America, the Ministry of Defence said. The MOD released images of the model advanced aircraft hovering above and landing on the 65,000 tonne carrier for the first time on Sunday. It shows successful trials last year with US military lightning jets. The F-35B lightning jet is the first to combine radar evading stealth technology with supersonic speeds and short takeoff and vertical landing capability. Uh, the fighter planes will be jointly manned by the Royal Air Force and the Royal Navy and can operate from land and sea. This follows successful developmental trials last year with the US Lightning where forces conducted 500 uh, takeoff and landings over their 11-week period at sea. These trials include end-to-end testing of the aircraft and their personnel to ensure that they can they work with the next-generation carrier. The tests involve mission planning, arming the aircraft using the ship's highly automated weapon handling system, flying missions and debriefing on completion. Uh, Defence Secretary Ben Wallace said that the Lightning aircraft operates with a cutting-edge design. It is the first jet to combine radar evading stealth technology with supersonic speed as well as the ability to fly and land vertically and now as i say carlos uh, mentioned uh, these these pictures they are absolutely uh, stunning it's so to good um, yeah, i can't can i just say finally we've got aircraft on our aircraft carriers they're not our aircraft <laughs> well no but, but nevertheless <laughs> they are at least uh, aircraft i mean that'd be too much to hope for i suppose but uh, yeah it's it's, uh, it's nice to see these uh, some lovely pictures here actually yeah and um, yeah, it's great to see these aircraft you know on uh, on the flight deck here you know seeing the seeing the f-35 mm. uh, on you know on our on our new carrier yeah does kind of uh, so Armando? Um, what have you got to say about this? Really, I mean, obviously, this is this is sort of exciting news for 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 all allies, I guess. Really, <laughs> yeah, this is huge. This is a huge milestone for for the UK for both the uh, F-35s as well as the the Queen Elizabeth. So, I, I know uh, when I was over there in the UK, we had one of your high level government officials come uh to our organization and look at the cb-22s to at least get something on the aircraft carrier <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely but uh yeah this is this is huge <laughs> absolutely it's great it's great it's great to sort of as, as uh carlos says it's it's great but for for a country that is essentially an island uh it's great to finally have uh, one of these back in service it has to be said. definitely definitely yeah, yeah indeed right so, so that is start, uh, we where we uh, bring the uh, military news segment to a close just a quick mention before we start to wrap things up that most of you will notice uh, that uh, i got rather excited on social media yesterday because they have announced finally that uh, after three years of being missed 
the Malta Air Show will be back next year in September, on the 26th and 27th of September next year. So uh, great to see that <laughs> back. Great to see it back in play. That is a really good air show, and yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to uh, yeah. going out next year. You're so excited about this air, sh- air show that I almost feel like I need to go very BBC about this and say, of course, please don't forget other air shows are available. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, so uh, fingers crossed, hopefully, all being well, it would be nice if we could all um, be out there next year for the air show. Well, yeah, let's 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 we'll, we'll have a chat about that off air show. We'll, we'll yeah. get a Ryanair flight for for there. Oh, good. Uh, right. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got a funny colour. <laughs> That's it. He's gone. Actually, uh, <laughs> just quickly, quickly, can I just yeah. can I just point out that when yeah, I well, when I done a quick check on the yeah. flight prices of flights to Malta next year for right. the air show, okay. can I just say that that BA flights came out nearly a hundred pounds cheaper than uh, Did Ryanair? They? Oh, there we are. Just saying. Shock horror. There yes. we go. Absolutely. So uh, that is where we wrap up episode number 291. Big thanks to everyone who's joined us on the YouTube chat room tonight. Mm. Thanks for tuning in on your Friday evening and not forgetting as well, everyone who downloads the show yep. as an audio podcast. Quick walk round. Uh, Nev, what are you up to next week? Uh, yes, a busy week coming up. Um, off to uh, Dublin, Cork, Shannon uh, in the Republic of Ireland, and then off up to Belfast uh, for the end of the week. So I'll be back on Friday of uh, next week, so I should be here. Uh, but, Excellent. So, yeah, I've got uh, four days uh, in Ireland, which I'm really looking for. Fantastic. To. Armando, I assume there's a little flying in your calendar? Yeah, I've got... Uh... In the next seven days, I've got four days of flying between skydivers and uh, search and rescue and some army uh, contract missions. So, yeah, it'll be quite a bit. I'll be on the show next week, but then after that, uh, it's off to Colorado for uh, some multi-engine uh, flying. Wow, very exciting. Uh, now, Carlos, obviously you spent most of last week zipping up and down London. The, 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 yeah, absolutely. <laughs> your uh, favourite place? Yeah, where, where are you off to this week? Oh, nowhere that uh, glamorous this week. I'll oh. be I'll be mostly based in and around uh, RAF Horham, where our site is based. Okay, right, so, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's half term here in the UK, so not so much driving for me. I've got a little uh, day trip out to Colchester with one of my favourite groups, uh, but other than that, I'm sort of, I'm uh, not leaving East Anglia much at all. You'll have to come work for me. Right. Right, okay. No thanks. There we go. (laughs) So that's it then, guys and girls. Don't forget to tune in next Friday for the show and uh, have a great weekend wherever you're doing and whatever you are. But Mm. stay safe, fly safe, and uh, yeah, enjoy yourselves and take care. So from me, Carlos here, and Matt in the PDUK studios, Armando in his studio, and Nev in his luxury studio. Luxury studio, yes. It's goodbye from us all. Everybody say goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.